got your Bibles today, I'd like you to open them up to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Uh, the message today that we are looking at is called Simple. Simple. So I've got an easy message to start off your new year. Uh, it shouldn't be hard at all. It's just a simple message for you today. And the big question that we're looking at, the big thing that I want to answer as we look into Scripture that we want God to answer for us today is this. What is stopping us from experiencing breakthrough? What's stopping us from experiencing breakthrough? What's stopping you from experiencing breakthrough in your personal life? Maybe it's uh, a habit that you've tried to kick that you just can't figure out how to get freedom from. You can't, experience, or you can't figure out how to get a breakthrough on that habit. Or maybe it's a person that, that you've been lifting up to Jesus for many years and you just don't know, how am I going to get breakthrough there? How am I going to get breakthrough? I've been uh, praying to God for, for many years to to get a promotion, to, to get a change of scenery. And God, when are you going to break through my family? When are you going to uh, change my family? When are you going to change me? As a church, how do we experience breakthrough? How do we experience breakthrough? And there's so many lost people in this world. How do we break through? How do we reach the lost? How do we go to the next level? How do we, how do we trust God even more? How do we get closer to God than we ever have been before? How do we experience breakthrough? And the reason why we call this message simple is because I believe the answer to that question is, as complicated as it may sound, is very simple. See, we like to complicate things in life, don't we? Technology is complicated. Uh, cell phones today are complicated. Computers are complicated. I mean, everything changes all the time, and then you get a new update, and then you got to find everything again. And, and uh, then they put technology in everything. You know, they put technology in cars, and, and, you know, it's really nice until it breaks, and then it's not so nice anymore. You know, you put technology in all these things. We, we complicate things. Uh, coffee is complicated. You ever gone to a coffee shop lately and you, know, you got to go up there and order? I'll have a double shot espresso, non-fat whip, mocha, latte, grande. So I, don't, I don't speak coffee, but it sounds really complicated. It's a foreign language. Taxes. Taxes. Anybody excited for tax season coming up? Right? Complicated. I mean, all these exceptions and tax breaks and things you got to pay, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's complicated. Uh, we just got over Christmas and how many parents out there, you spent the next one to three days unpackaging all the toys you got for your kids, right? You got a free Barbie from the jail cell of a box that she's been handcuffed to, and you got to set up all the batteries. We've got one toy we bought for our daughter, and it's still not working yet because we've taken three trips to the store and we bought the wrong thing every single time to try to get the right batteries and the right memory card and, and all of those things, and it's still not working, right? Life can be complicated. We like to complicate things, but again, I believe the answer to today's question is something simple. So in Mark chapter 9, uh, we're going to start with verse 17, but let me give you a little bit of context before we jump in. Uh, at the beginning of Mark chapter 9, we see Jesus invites Peter, James, and John up on a mountain, up on a hike. He said, hey, come on up with me. They didn't know what they were getting into, but at the top of the mountain, uh, they saw something miraculous. They saw something impossible. They saw Jesus transfigured. I mean, he was totally changed. It, it said that Jesus' clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. That's literally what the Bible says. And, and so he was transfigured from this uh, physical body almost to this spiritual body, and the disciples got to behold the glory of the Lord with as much as they could handle without dying. 
All right? They, they saw Jesus in a new form, in a new way. Not only that, they saw Moses and Elijah up there, and they were long gone. Uh, but yet God brought them back. He was speaking to them up there. And to top it all off, they literally heard the audible voice of God speaking from heaven. Sounds like a good day. We take that. Uh, and, and so they got to experience that. Uh, they had a mountaintop experience on top of a mountain. So everything's going great, everything's going lovely, and then they venture back down the mountain only to find the nine other disciples standing there with a great crowd around them, and everybody's arguing with those nine disciples. You go from the mountaintop down to the valley, and something's gone wrong. So the nine disciples, they're sitting there, and everybody's arguing with them. Jesus and the, disciple, the other three disciples, you know, they're not exactly sure what's going on. I mean, I'm sure Jesus knew, but, you know, they, they weren't there. They didn't see what was going on. And the nine disciples were never so happy to see Jesus, right? They're like, all right, tag, you're in, Jesus. Take over here, because we don't know what we're doing. They're, they're used to having the great crowd around them, but usually Jesus is in the center. Uh, but they're in the center now, so Jesus comes into the picture. And they say, all right, all questions can now be directed towards Jesus. We're going to take a break. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 17, it says this. And someone from the crowd answered Jesus. Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. They were not able. Uh, so let's, let's pause there for a second. So this is the problem. This is why everybody was grumpy and angry, and this great crowd was about to turn into an angry mob uh, against these nine disciples, because they brought, uh, this man brought his son, this demon-possessed son who'd been possessed since he was a, uh, just a baby, and they brought him to the disciples, and the disciples tried to cast this demon out, and it didn't work. It didn't work. They didn't have any breakthrough and they weren't sure why. So let's back up a little bit. Why would the disciples be able to cast out a demon? Isn't that Jesus's job? Uh, so if you back up, we look in Mark chapter 3. It, it says that Jesus appointed his apostles. He selected his 12 disciples in that chapter, and, and uh, he selected them to be with them, but also to go out and preach, and also to go out and have the authority to cast out demons. He gave his 12 disciples that authority to cast out demons. And then since that point, they've seen Jesus do the impossible. I mean, they've watched Jesus do it himself. Uh, they saw Jesus calm a storm. They saw Jesus heal a demon-possessed man who, whose name was Legion, who could have, he had many demons inside of him, maybe even thousands of demons inside of him, and Jesus was able to cast them out. He saw, they saw Jesus heal a woman who had been sick for 12 years. They saw Jesus heal a blind man and a mute man. They saw Jesus uh, heal a deaf man. They saw Jesus uh, raise a little girl from the dead. They saw all these things. They saw all these things. They saw uh, people getting healed just by touching the fringe of Jesus' garment. I mean, the miraculous things that the disciples had seen were, were unparalleled. Uh, they saw Jesus multiply bread and feed 5,000 people plus women and children out of just five loaves of bread and two fish. They saw Jesus walk on water. And then even in Mark chapter 6, uh, Jesus sent them out, and it says that the disciples went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the disciples already 
God had given them the authority, Jesus had given them the authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and he sent them out and they preached the word and they cast out demons and they healed the sick. So this was something normal for them. This was something ordinary. This is something they had done before. But the question is, why didn't it work this time? You know, we've had breakthrough in all these other cases. I, they, they've cast out demons before, but now in front of this great crowd, they were not able to. So what's the deal? What's the deal? You know, it's funny when you think you got something figured out. You know, the disciples, they probably thought, okay, we've got this figured out. We've got our plan. I don't know what it was. I don't know what Jesus taught them, uh, but they probably mimicked whatever Jesus did. Okay, Jesus, he, he stood like this, and he pointed at the devil, you know, and, and, and he called out that demon, and he cast it out. Okay, so we're going to do the same for him. All right, left hand here, right hand here. You know, and they got the formula down. They know how to do it, but this time the results didn't happen. That ever happened to you in your life where you try to do the same thing you did the last time, but you get different results? That happens to me every time when I go out to the golf course, right? Any golfers in here? Yeah. And, and so I, I got to be honest, I have a terrible golf swing, okay? It looks nice, but the ball always goes like this. I mean, every single time, it's a slice. So when I play golf, I play off the fairway, but just from the wrong hole. And, and so I, it's always bad. I'm crossing roads. I'm doing all those things. So I've taken a lot of advice. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and they, they tell you, all right, you know, put your thumbs together, put your thumbs apart, open the club face, close the club face, keep your, keep your arms straight, bend your knees, you know, all these different things, and it gets so confusing. And, and then pretty soon they're telling you, okay, close your feet, move your feet, make sure the ball's in this place, that place, and, and you try to repeat it. And eventually one of those goofy things finally works, and you hit the ball straight. It's like, wow, okay, I figured it out. So then you go to the next hole and you do the same thing. Okay, move the feet in, move the feet back, arms straight, look at the ball, cross your eyes, pray. All right, and then you hit it, and it doesn't do the same thing. It does something different, and I don't understand it. Right, so, so every time, I, again, I've got this nasty slice, and, and so finally I get to hole nine on Lee Park, if anybody's golfed out there, and that is perfectly designed for my swing, right? It just moves to the right. Dog laid right, it's, it's perfect. And so I can go up there, I don't have to think, I can just hit the ball as hard as I possibly can, and it's going to land right in the middle of the fairway, it's going to be perfect. And so one day after I've struggled so many times to move the foot, move the hand, think about this, think about that, keep the arm straight, and I've been failing all day, I get the whole nine and I think, okay, I can just hit this thing, I don't have to think, I can just swing really hard, right? So I get up to the ball, and, and I, I pull back as hard as I can, I swing as hard as I can, and I watch it, and it it goes as straight as I've ever seen a golf ball. And it flies past the fairway, it goes over fairway one, and lands in the parking lot of the bowling alley. Like, I just can't win, right? Isn't it frustrating when you try to do the same thing over and over, but you get different results? See, in the church, we can feel like our relationship with God, we have it all figured out. We've got our routine. We've got our system. You know, I just need to show up to church. I, I just need to, you know, bring my big Bible. I just need to lift my hands during worship. I just need to, to serve on these groups. And if I just do that same routine every year, then I know that I've got it all figured out. But then we do the same thing and it doesn't work, and we feel farther away from God. And it's like, God, why, why can't I experience breakthrough? I'm listening to the right worship songs. I'm, I'm bringing them back to the ones when I, you know, I got saved, and they're my favorite, and I'm putting it back. I'm going to the same altar that you met with me before. So, God, why don't I experience you? Why can't I experience breakthrough? I'm trying to do all those things the way that they used to be when I had breakthrough before. But why can't I experience it now? 
Or maybe you've shared the gospel with someone and it works great. And so you tried that same formula on somebody else and it didn't work. And so you're just sitting there and you're pounding your head, God, I don't understand it. Why doesn't this work? And I think that's what the disciples were going through that day. We've cast out demons before. Jesus, why doesn't this one work? So in verse 20, we see the crowd shift their attention towards Jesus. It says this, and they brought their, the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, uh, the, the evil spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Picture that for a moment, right? You've got this boy who's just going nuts and going crazy and there's clearly something wrong there. And, and it says here in verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Feels like a casual comment for something crazy going on in front. Hey, how long has this has been going on? And the father said, from childhood. And as often as has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, wait, if you can? If you can do anything? Don't you know who you're talking to? If I can do anything? It says, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And isn't our... Our Jesus so great? Isn't he awesome? Even when the disciples couldn't cast out the demon, uh, Jesus could. Jesus could, and, and, and he came out of him. And so the big question, I think, if I'm the disciples, is why? Why? We did that, Jesus. We, we had the pose. You know, we worked it out. We, we cast out that demon, and nothing happened. Why did it work for you and not for us? In fact, they asked that in verse 28. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why could we not do it? Right? When we tried before, we did everything right. Jesus, we copied the formula exactly the way that you showed us. We did it the same way that it did when it worked the last time. So why didn't it work this time? Jesus, we don't get it. What is stopping us from having breakthrough? Right? What's stopping, what's stopping you from having breakthrough? Why isn't it working the way it used to work? What's stopping us? And the answer, again, I believe is very simple, and we find it in verse 29. And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 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 That's it. Prayer. Simple answer. That's what's stopping us from breakthrough. That's what was stopping the disciples from breakthrough. Uh, the simple answer to how to experiencing breakthrough in our lives is prayer. Let's unpack that a little bit, right? Jesus is telling them, sure, you've got the words down. You've got the pose down. You, you've got all those things. You even put on your big authoritative voice when you said it, right? You, you came up there and you had faith. Wouldn't, wouldn't, that would take a lot of faith. How many would be bold enough to go up to somebody uh, just on the streets and cast a demon out of them, Right? Because you're not sure, is God going to answer me? Is this going to come through? The disciples had the faith to do that, but nothing happened. He says, you got it all right. You got the faith down. You got the words down. You got the form down. But what you don't have down is prayer. Prayer. You miss prayer. 
Now, I can imagine the disciples are probably sitting there like, hold on, Jesus. You didn't pray when you did this. I don't see any prayer in there. You just cast the demon out. You, you didn't take time to pray before this. What do you mean by prayer? How did we miss prayer? But you see, Jesus wasn't talking about prayer in the moment. He was talking about a lifestyle of prayer. He was talking about uh, consistently going to God in prayer. This demon, he didn't find victory and breakthrough that day. He found it when he was in his prayer closet. See, Jesus was able to cast out this demon because in Mark chapter 1, it says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark chapter 6, it says, And after Jesus had taken leave of them, he went out to the mountain to pray. See, Jesus was able to cast out the demon. He was able to see breakthrough because every day Jesus found time to get alone and spend time with God in prayer. That was the difference. That was the difference. It was that Jesus had a consistent prayer life. Every day he found time to get away from the crowd, to sneak away to the mountain. That was his favorite spot, was to find a lonely place and say, God, even though uh, it's difficult today, I'm going to take time to pray. Church, let me say this. We will never experience breakthrough in our lives without a consistent prayer life. We'll never experience a breakthrough. Uh, we'll never experience a great awakening in this country without consistent prayer lives. It, we're never going to see signs and miracles happen in our lives and in our city and in our church without consistent prayer lives. If we want breakthrough, the answer is simple. It is prayer. We can have the formula down, right? We can, we can go to church. We can, we can sing all the songs. We can do good things. We can stay positive. We can lift our hands during worship. It, and it's all useless unless it's fueled by prayer. Unless we're fueled by prayer. See, Jesus already had given them the authority to cast out demons. They already had that. Yet the authority that Jesus had given them was only effective if it was fueled by the spiritual discipline, if it was fueled by prayer. That's the only way that this, this, these giftings worked was when they were fueled by prayer. So let me give you two reasons why a consistent prayer life is so powerful, why that can lead to breakthrough in our lives. And the first one is this. Prayer is powerful because of who we are praying to. All because of who we're praying to. We're not praying to, to nobody. We're not praying to someone who, who's dead. We're not praying to someone who's limited. We're praying to the all-powerful God. The all-powerful God. Now think about it. In this last year, in 2022, how many times did you think to yourself, you know, I should really, should really take some time to pray? Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 20 minutes. And, and you were reminded of that fact of prayer is a good thing, this should be part of my life. But then you look at your calendar, and you look at all the to-dos, and you think about everything that has to get done around home, and out at the job, all, all these different things, and you think, I'm just too busy to pray today. I'm just too, there's too many things to get done. And if I take the next however many minutes to pray, then I'm not going to be able to get these things done. Right? How many times have, have we done that? You know, it seems logical. If I take 20 minutes here, then I'm going to lose 20 minutes there. Uh, Martin Luther was, was uh, one of the reasons or a quote that he had. He was asked one time by a friend, uh, what he had going the next day? What are your plans for tomorrow? And Martin Luther replied, work. Work from early until late. In fact, I have so much work to do that I need to spend 
the first three hours in prayer. Right? He normally, uh, looking into his life, he spent two hours in prayer every morning. But he says, I've got so much to do tomorrow, I need to spend three hours in prayer. What, what perspective is that? I mean, if we could just grab a hold of that a little bit, uh, that's some great logic to think about. It because think about this. How much on your best day, on your best day last year, how much did you accomplish in 24 hours? Right? How much did you get done? You know, maybe you, you made all the sales that you wanted to, you, you did all that, maybe you organized the garage, maybe you accomplished laundry in one day. You know, I don't know what it was, but 24 hours, what was your best day? What was your best week? What's the most you accomplished in one week? Right? Now, stop and think, how much can God accomplish in 24 hours? How much can God accomplish in 24 hours? I mean, he keeps track of everybody in the universe all at once. And how much can God accomplish in, in one week, in seven days? created the universe in seven days. He even took a day off in that, right? Created the universe. And he created the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the land and the sea, the, the fish and the birds and the animals, the plants. He created us. He created everything in seven days, right? And to think that we can accomplish more on our own than taking time to say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help with something. We can accomplish so much more when we take time to lean on God and say, God, I need you today. God, I'm going to humble myself today. I'm going to take time to pray today. Right? We, we sang it earlier. The same God. The same, the same God who created the universe in seven days, that's who we're praying to. Right? That's who we're tapping into. That's the power source that we're coming from. The same God who, who split the Red Sea, who parted the sea so the Israelites could walk through on dry ground. That's who we're praying to. The same God. The, the same God who helped David defeat Goliath. The, the same God uh, who came to us, who did miracles on this earth, who, who empowered us with his Holy Spirit. The same God. That's who we're praying to. And to think we can do it all on our own. How silly of us. To think that we can do more, that we can be more productive doing things in our own abilities than taking time to ask the almighty, all-powerful God to help us. Right? It seems so logical to cut God out, but when we really take time to think about it, it's silly. We need God in our lives. Because here's the thing. I don't want to see what I can accomplish this year. I want to see what God can accomplish. I don't want to see what, what we as a church can do together. I want to see what God can do through his church. That's what I want to see. I want to see the power of God. But if we don't have a consistent prayer life, it's not going to happen. We're going to see our results and not God's results. That's why we need uh, prayer in our lives. That's why we need prayer. Because the victory of the church is in the prayer closet. The victory of the church is in the prayer closet. That's where breakthrough happens, is in the prayer closet. See, the disciples, they thought that victory came when Jesus cast out the demon. But that victory had already come, that breakthrough had already come when Jesus was alone on a mountain. Right? That's when the breakthrough came. And our breakthrough comes through prayer because that's when we're praying to the Almighty God. We've got to remember who we are praying to. Second reason that this is powerful is because consistency is powerful. Consistency is powerful. Anybody ever had a, a leaky faucet before, right? Just drip, 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 and you just can't figure out how to get that drip to stop. Well, one, one drop of water on its own is not very powerful. It can't do a whole lot. But when it, every day, every minute it's dripping, 
and every hour it's dripping, and, and every day it's drip, 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 and every year dripping, constant. Year after year, you just have this drip. Water has power. That drip has power, and it can totally take down that sink. In fact, it's so powerful, it can carve out stone. Just little drips over a long time. That consistency over a long time is powerful. See, Luke describes the disciples as ordinary, unschooled men. They, they didn't have, you know, they weren't the smartest people out there. They, they weren't, you know, the brightest crayon in the bunch. They, they, they weren't the smartest out there, right? But yet in Acts chapter 2, it says that the apostles devoted themselves to prayer. It says they devoted themselves to prayer every day. They went to prayer. And by the end of Acts, it said, oh, those guys, those are the people who turn the world upside down. God can use us to do incredible things when we take time daily to pray. When we take time daily to pray. And, and each day, you know, you might not get all the feelings and all the goosebumps when you take that time to pray, but it's that consistency that builds up day after day after day. You won't even know when the breakthrough happens. It'll just happen because we've been consistent in our prayers. I look at the life of Daniel. Daniel was somebody, uh, we, we read in Daniel chapter 6 that he prayed Three times a day, every, every day, three times a day, he would get down on his knees in his house and he would pray. And he was a captive in a foreign land. God had used him to do incredible things. And as he prayed, as he built up this consistency, God raised him up in levels of leadership and he, he, he brought him into uh, places of influence because he was consistent in his prayer life. Because he was consistent in relying on God. And then one day, uh, some bad guys came along and said, how do we trap this Daniel? We don't like him. We're jealous of him. Well, the one thing we know is that he prays every day. So how can we trap him? So they went to the king and they said, hey, king, we want you to sign this bill into law. That for the next 30 days, no one can pray to anyone else except you, O king. Because you're so great. You're so glorious. They really built him up and pretended him to be something he wasn't. So the king signs it into law for 30 days. Nobody can pray to anyone except me. So Daniel has a choice in this moment. He can say, I'm going to keep praying to God, and I'm going to keep trusting in him, and uh, they're going to catch me, and they're going to throw me in the lion's den, and I'm going to die, right? Or I can pause for 30 days, and I can just not be consistent with my prayer for just 30 days. I mean, I've done it my whole life, but if I just take a break for 30 days, I can keep my level of influence. I, I can keep doing great things for God if I just pause my prayer life for 30 days. Well, we know what Daniel chose. He said, no, I'm not pausing my prayer life. I'll risk my life because I know the only reason that I'm in the position I'm in is because I was on my knees in the first place. And if I get off my knees, then, then I know that God's going to take me out of this place sooner than a lion can, right? So he trusted God and he got on his knees and he says, I'm going to keep praying because God, you put me here. Everything I have is yours, so I'm going to trust you with everything. And we know what happens. He gets thrown into the lion's den, but God protects him, and God uses him to an even greater influence because he stays consistent in his prayer life. See, there's power in consistency. There's power in being able to do the basics, the simple things over and over and over again. Uh, this This off-season in, in professional baseball, there's been three athletes who we thought were good enough to pay over $300 million. Isn't that crazy? Inflation is nuts, right? Uh, so $300 million they thought we should pay these guys for. Now, let me tell you what. In February, when it comes to spring training and these $300 million athletes, athletes get out there, the first thing they're going to do 
is the exact same things that we teach our kindergartners to do in baseball, right? Play catch, and then feel the ground ball, and then practice swinging and hitting. They're going to do the same basic things, the, the simple things. But the reason why uh, people think that they're worth so much and valued so much is because they've done the simple things over and over and over and over again until uh, they've got it down. They've got it perfect. And they keep practicing. They keep putting it. You can use any sports, you know, professional basketball players. They sit there and shoot free throws for an hour, right? Same thing in the little. Uh, everything, we, we do it over and over again, and that consistency pays off. That consistency helps us to get better. That consistency helps us to grow. In our walk with God, we need consistency. We need that consistency. That's where we get power from, is when we consistently plug into the power source. When we consistently plug in to God. So what's holding you back? What's stopping you from having a consistent prayer life? To the leaders in the room to the, the leaders of the church in the room, to the leaders of, of work in your, your office in this room, to the leaders of your family in this room. If we don't have a consistent prayer life, then our followers won't either. Parents, if you don't have a consistent prayer life, then how are your kids going to have a consistent prayer life? We need to set the pace. We need to set the bar. We need to set the example because breakthrough comes through a consistent prayer life. Uh, today, when you came in, you got this little handout. It's called uh, the Assemblies of God Week of Prayer 2023 Awakening. And we're believing God to do incredible things. Incredible things this year. And it all starts through having a consistent prayer life. So I encourage you to take this home. And, and this is our, our week of prayer. And there's seven different prayer points. And I want you to pray for one each day. And uh, in fact, uh, there's just a little video I want to show you um, from our general superintendent, Doug Clay, uh, just encouraging you uh, to jump in on this thing that we are doing nationwide. So check this out. I am so excited for our upcoming week of prayer, January 1 through 7, 2023. You know, there's a growing movement of prayer today in the body of Christ. I believe people are understanding that we'll never see awakening in our churches or change in our culture without fervent prayer. I want to thank you for making the week of prayer a high priority for yourself and your church. It was F.B. Meyer that said the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. So come on. Join with hundreds of thousands of others this first week of January in fervent prayer. Worship team, would you come? So I just encourage you, jump in on this week. You've got those prayer points and, and uh, just take time daily. This can help start you into that habit of, of every day. I'm going to take time to pray. Maybe it's just five minutes a day. Maybe you're already praying for 20 minutes a day. So you say, all right, I'm going to add another five minutes. I'm going to just take even more time to spend in the throne room of God. So taking that time each day. Because, you know, if we want to see that awakening in our church, if we want to see God do the miraculous, it doesn't come by having the best coffee in town, right? It doesn't come by uh, having the nicest building in town doesn't come from having the best padded pews in town, but it comes from having a consistent prayer life. See, prayer is what changes things. Prayer, prayer is what changes our hearts. Prayer is what's going to change our city. Prayer is what's going to move mountains. So it's every day, working together, saying, God, we're going to get on our knees. We're going to find that, that place of prayer. Now, you may have many questions, and we, we could talk for, for weeks and weeks about how to pray. You, know, you might say, well, what do I 
What do I pray? What, what words do I need to say? Uh, how often? And, and just a few basics. Find a place to get alone. A place where you can eliminate distractions, where you can turn off the technology, uh, when you can just say, all right, these, these next few moments are going to be my time to get alone with God. Remove distractions. And then take time just to have, prayer is a conversation with God. It, it's nothing difficult. You don't have to have the right words to say. You just got to pray from your heart. Thank Him. Ask for forgiveness. Ask, ask God to, to move mountains in your life, to do those things that are needs in your life. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for your family. Pray for our, our, our government leaders and our uh, city leaders. Pray. Pray that God would move. Uh, pray for the lost. And ask Him to do His will. Above all else, above our will, ask Him to do His will. So take time every day. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you again. Take this home. Spend time every day praying. We've got consistency, so that's day one. Pray for compassion. Pray for signs and wonders. Pray for united prayer, for unity. Pray for global connection. Pray for intercession and evangelism to happen. And, and pray for the passing revival to the next generation. God would move in the next generation. Those are all things we're praying for today. Would you stand with me? We want to take a moment. We've got plenty of time here. What a better way to start the new year out on, on day one than to take a few moments in prayer. The worship team's just going to be playing some music. And, and here's my challenge to you. For five minutes, we're going to just take five minutes in this service before we dismiss, before we go anywhere. And I want to challenge you to move from where you are in just a moment and find a place to get alone with God. So if you're able, don't stay in your own seat, but find a place to get alone. Maybe it's coming up here. Maybe it's going to the back. Maybe it's just going to a different pew. But just get away from whoever you're sitting next to so you don't have any distractions. Maybe you need to go up to the balcony. Maybe you need to walk in the back. But we're just going to turn this place into a house of prayer because this place is a house of prayer, right? That's what it's supposed to be. And we're going to take just five minutes to get alone with God and to pray. So I don't know what God's moving on your heart, but I want you to get alone with God right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then I want you just to move. Go, go find a place. Jesus, we we'll pray that you would meet with us in these next few moments that we have together as we put aside distractions, as we put other things out of the way. God, I pray that you would build a consistent prayer life in us, that you would build these spiritual disciplines in. God, we want breakthrough. We want breakthrough, and the answer is simple. It's prayer. It's prayer. So we go to the one who holds the answers. We go to the one who, who holds the keys. God, you, you have all authority and all power. And so, Lord, we need you to help us because we can't do it alone. We thank you, Lord. Move us, move in us, speak to us in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take a moment, move from your seat, find a new place in this sanctuary just to get along with God.
No one as powerful as you, God, that no one even comes close. God, we thank you for your beauty, for your majesty. God, we pray you'd show us your glory. God, show us a little bit more of who you are, of how amazing you are. God, we don't deserve you. God, we don't deserve your presence, but yet you give it freely. God, thank you for moving in this place. God, thank you for allowing us to experience the supernatural. God, thank you that we can have communication with you, that we can approach the throne of God with boldness and with confidence. God, we don't deserve that. But Lord, you've opened the door through sending your son Jesus to die on that cross. God, we are grateful. Lord, today I pray for your forgiveness. God, that you would forgive us for the times we've been too busy to pray. That we've allowed our to-do list to get in the way. God, would you forgive us? Help us to get on our knees daily, to find that consistent time to rely on you. Because God, we don't want to see what we can accomplish this year. We want to see what you can accomplish through us. Because there's no one greater than you. So God, use us, use your church, use your people change this city, to change our families, God, God, to change our, our work and our businesses around us, God, to change this world. God, that as we devote ourselves to prayer, that people would say of us that we turn the world upside down. Lord, we thank you. God, have your way, have your will in our lives. God, this is your church. These are your people. God, take us where you want us to go. And may we follow, may we step out in faith, and may daily we get on our knees. So build a consistent prayer life in each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for praying. I challenge you, take a few minutes every day to do the same thing. Find a place to get along with God every day. Worship team's gonna lead us. I encourage you, you can keep praying. If you need to go, you are dismissed. Have a happy new year. And uh, have an incredible week. Let's pray daily.